from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Thanks, Nick. Let's pray together. Father, what a great reminder today that there is no one, no thing like you, our great God. You alone are holy. You alone are good. You alone are sovereign ruler. And you alone are God. Father, there truly is no one like you. Jesus, there's truly no one like You. Holy Spirit, there is truly no one like You. Our our true and living triune God, thank You for revealing Yourself to us. Thank You for the glory of it all that Jesus came down here for the rescue of us all, all of Your children. And Father, we now ask that the Spirit of Christ would come because there's no one like You that we don't need to hear my words or my thoughts or my opinions. Father, we need to hear from the One who is above all, who's ruler of all. We we need to hear from God Almighty. And God, we thank You that through the foolishness of preaching Your Word, You have chosen to give us Your wisdom. But Father, that could only happen as if You send Your Son and His Spirit here to us in a way that our ears can hear Jesus' voice. Our, our minds can be illumined with the Spirit so we understand Your Word for us. That God, You would lovingly, lovingly take our hearts and, and reshape them this morning. It's amazing how prone we are to wander. It's amazing how much our hearts will run after everything but You. So God, bring stillness to them. God, speak to our hearts deeply. Father, lovingly shape them so that they beat for You. Father, we pray that Your Spirit would empower our feet in a manner that we can walk out of here as Your children and live for the glory of it all. That because we've been transformed by the work of Your Son and the Holy Spirit and Your Word, that the world could see You and us in a way that they too will join. They'll they'll be coming and joining that song to say for the glory of it all, there's no one like our God. God, we this morning as we wrestle with a difficult text, we would begin by asking a question, are we robbing You, the only one, who is a true and living God. Are are we robbing You with our lives? With what we're keeping from You? Father, come and be teacher, we pray in Christ's name. 
Amen. This week I got a uh, special issue of Outreach Magazine. And in Outreach Magazine, it listed the top 100 largest churches in America. And we're not on that list. But it did have this. It also had the top 100 fastest growing churches in America. And we're not on that list either. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how uh, our society will look at a church and kind of judge a church. It's, it's pretty easy, I guess, to look at statistics and say, well, how big are you? Uh, probably pretty easy to look at statistics and say, how fast are you growing? Those are things you can measure, except for Baptists. They never could count very well, you know. They get about 100, they have 300 there. Uh, I, I love that. I got former Baptists in me, and if you're here uncomfortable, I, I count that way. Every week we see how many people are here. I always argue there's more. There's always more. So sometimes pastors do have a hard time counting. It's true. But what about measuring those things that God's heart wants to measure? Really, what about those things that measure the heart? Or measure spiritual growth? I mean, those things that kind of beat after God's own heart. He says that the greatest commandment that he has given to us, the commandment that the entire word of God hinges on or really folds upon is this, that we're to love the Lord God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. So really, I guess the statistics that we should be looking at or the things we should be concerned with are how are we growing spiritually? How is our spiritual life, our our spiritual growth, and how do we measure that? Well, we're on our third week of a sacred journey, a journey that clearly God has called me on and you as well, because he had to do some amazing things in my heart. He's still doing them. I'm telling you, it's like it's like I'm discovering him for the first time all over again. And what we're doing is we're looking at Christian disciplines And we're asking God to show us His heart through these disciplines. We're asking for spiritual growth. And it's been so wonderful journeying with you. It really has. I've loved to hear the stories, read the emails, and see your faces, and come back on Sunday nights and see what God is doing in our midst in this sacred journey. So far, we've looked at three things. We said, God, would you grow in us a Sabbath heart? Would you grow in us a heart that rests in Christ Jesus? that really honors you and your word and the rhythm of life that you have given to us. Last week we looked at a praying heart. God, would you you work in us a praying heart, a, a life of prayer, a communion with a God who's a person and who is. And today we're going to look at growing a tithing heart, a giving heart. Truthfully, there's probably nothing that will give us a snapshot of our heart with more clarity Then when it comes to our money, the way we handle our money, the way we honor God with what he has given to us, it's so much so that the scriptures are filled. It talks more about money than it does sex. Uh, Jesus dealt a lot with money, so much so that to say that the love of money is the root of all evil or the root of much evil. So how are we handling God's money? How are we handling what he has given to us? You know, I thought about this, and oftentimes you'll hear a preacher say, it's hard to preach on tithing. It's hard to preach on giving. And you know what? I don't feel that way this morning. Why? Because I believe that we're about to see how amazingly clear 
God is to us when it comes to how we are to handle our resources. I believe Scripture does not pull punches. I believe it doesn't leave us in the gray area. I think that if a thorough examination of God's Word, we will be led to understand that God cares deeply about the way we handle our money. That God cares deeply about giving Him what the Bible says are tithes and offerings. And that we today have to wrestle with a question that's amazing that God's Word tells us, are we robbing them? And so, yeah, I mean, money is one of those issues that, you know, all of us are going to shift around a little bit in our chairs a little bit. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit will be working through this room and all of your hearts. I promise you, he's working in mine as well. But this one to me is, okay, God, you teed it up. Your word's so clear. Please come and be teacher, preacher. Because what we're going to see that God is clear. He tells us that the perils of a plundering heart. You can follow along in your bulletin if you like. Uh, There's an outline for you. The trouble with a token heart. The avarice or the pride of an arrogant heart and the great blessing God has given us for a tithing heart. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to be using Malachi 3 the entire time to look at this passage together. But first of all, I'll start off with this. The perils of a plundering heart. Look again what Malachi says in verses 7 and 8. He says, return to me in 7 and 8. Will man rob God? Man, oh man, are you kidding me? God's word, quite black and white, he's going to ask, will man rob God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Listen, this is what money has a way of doing with us. It blinds us so much that God's people were hearing God's word saying, you're robbing me. And they're basically saying, how, how are we doing that? How are we robbing you? In your tithes and contributions, you have a plundering heart. God says if we are His people and we are not bringing in His tithes and offerings, that we are actually, in His words, not mine, we are actually robbers. And what I want to do with this passage, as we've done throughout this series together, is really look at the heart. Because we're not here to preach a legalistic form of Christianity, which is no Christianity at all. God's ultimate concern for us is for our heart and responding to Him in love and His Word in in love. And so what I want to do today is when we look at things like the perils of a plundering heart, what is the heart issue here? What is it? And really the heart issue is ownership. Ownership. Because until we understand biblical principles of who owns what, We can't make sense of how are we robbing God with our money. I want to take you to 1 Chronicles, uh, verse 29. Uh, There'll be a few passages that we'll be looking at through this. Uh, The text will also appear behind me on the screen. 1 Chronicles 29. Uh, Let me give you the context of this. Uh, David is collecting uh, from God's people uh, tithes and offerings for the temple. And this is what he says. Listen to this amazing passage in 1 Chronicles 29. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Listen. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. 
I mean, David is through this prayer and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying that really God owns it all. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Listen, both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly? For all these things come from you. Listen to what he says about the offering. Even the offering, all these things come from you. And of your hand have we given. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. Our Lord, uh, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building your house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. And now he'll start dealing with the heart. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present present here, offering freely and joyously to you. So who owns it all? According to God's Word, very clearly, that all in heaven and earth is the Lord's. C.S. Lewis deals with this in Mere Christianity with an interesting story. He tells about a young man who comes, and a young little boy who comes to his father and says, Daddy, can I please have a sixpence or can I have some spare change so that I may buy you a, a present, a birthday present? So the father lovingly reaches in and gives the boy a few token chains so that he can go and present a birthday gift to the father. And Lewis is saying that, you know, really... The dad is going to get a a present, but he's not richer for the present because he always had that money. He was the one who owned it all. He gave it to his child to go and to give back to the father. And the father has great delight. If, If your child, small child or grandchild came to you and said, can I borrow some money to buy you a present and get yourself something really nice? We'd be overjoyed. Say, sure. I mean, what amazing love. You see, that's the picture. That's it. It's a childlike story of how God wants us to see all the resources. Listen, He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's creator and sustainer of all things. He owns it all. All of it. So if He owns it all, what do we own? Nothing. Nothing but our own sin that we can rightfully call our own. So this is really a matter of the heart. When God is saying, you're robbing me, we have to kind of align our hearts to say, this is an ownership deal, isn't it? Because you can only rob God if I'm taking something that rightfully belongs to God. If it's mine in my pocket and I can decide what to do with it, if I own it, I'm not really robbing him. I may not be honoring him. But God goes beyond that. I mean, God uses robbery. He said, you've missed it. I own it. And because I own it, I have the right to be able to say what to do with it. 
So therefore, with all that we have, listen, for all of our clothes, our money, our retirement, our homes, our cars, for all of our wealth, for our talent, our time, our treasure, all of it is the Lord's. You know how he wants us to see ourselves? Just like in prayer, when we call Father, he wants us to see ourselves as children through David's word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Clearly how he wants us to see ourselves with all of our resources, you ready for this? As stewards that God has put into our life, into our wallet, into our bank accounts, those things that rightly belong to Him. They're not ours. He doesn't want us to get our identity from them. He doesn't want us to give our security from them. He wants us to realize that He has given it to us for His glory. And the truth is that some of you have stewardship over more than some others. It's a greater responsibility. I think that's why Jesus has talked so often about the rich man and how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Because God has given you so much to be stewards over. And the more you have, sometimes we forget who really owns it. And it's God's. And if God says, I own it, therefore he has every right. Listen, is it true? At least, at least follow the logic. Can you at least agree with the logic? If God owns it, he has the right to say how to use it, right? I mean, it's logical. And if God owns it and he tells us how to use it and we use it for ourselves, can we use the word embezzlement? I mean, he used the word robbery. How many guys have ever heard of the guy Ryan Sheckler? Anybody know Ryan Sheckler? This is kind of a test of our congregation. Our, our, our youth intern knows him. Hey, I know Ryan Sheckler. Why? Because he's a professional skateboarder and an MTV reality show star. All right. Some of you who really know it, they're like, I'm not going to admit it. No, I don't know Ryan Sheckler. Well, he had a, his CFO, a guy named Matthew Mercurio, has been charged with embezzling $365,000 from him for his own personal use, which makes us all really sick to our stomach that a skateboarder has $365,000 to be embezzled. In the world, we're in the wrong business, you know? I mean, come on. So, sorry. If you watch those guys, they're crazy. Aren't they crazy? What they can do on a skateboard is just, I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, it's incredible. I'm going to get back on point here. He trusted his CFO. I mean, here's a CFO, and I would imagine he's an older man. And I, I don't know, but I imagine here's this kid. And his CFO just took 350 thousand dollars in personal use. It's embezzlement. It's robbery. It's wrong. It wasn't his to do as he pleased. He didn't own it. Ryan owned it. He was supposed to manage it. And so what he did is he managed it for himself out of selfishness. He used it for selfish gain. And we call that a crime. And so God says, listen, all the, this is a heart issue of ownership. I own it all. If you are not tithing, you have robbed me. Basically, it's this. Are you embezzling God's resources? That's the peril of a plundering heart. You see, the peril of a plundering heart will come in and dismiss this ownership deal. And it's truly robbing God. Second point is this. The trouble of a token heart. I want you to see in, in, in verse 10. Verse 10a, it says this. Bring the full tithe. Bring the full tithe. Bring all of it. And really, as you study the word tithe here, it's the minimum of 10%, even a tithe, meaning a tenth. 
uh, 10% of all of your gross income. Your first fruits. Scripture says this. Your first fruits. Uh, the very first fruits of your crop. The very first thing of your paycheck. The very first thing that you earn. Those are your first fruits. The top 10% of your gross. That is a tithe. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Well, the full tithe reveals another heart issue, and it's this. It's the heart issue of stinginess. They were bringing something. They were bringing a token. It reminds us way back when, when we get the first gift given to the Lord in Genesis chapter 4. Adam and Eve have two kids, Cain and Abel. You probably heard something about their story. Um, interestingly, there came a time for them to give an offering to the Lord. And let's look at what it says in God's Word. Genesis 4, the word should be on the screen behind me. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, um, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of God. And by the way, she really thought this was the promised Redeemer in Genesis 3.15, but I can't dwell on that now. Uh, and again, she brought his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now listen, it doesn't say of the first fruit. It really implies here in the Hebrew that Cain brought kind of the leftovers. I mean, Cain brought a token. I mean, Cain brought what he could spare. Cain wanted to keep for himself what was really good. I mean, Cain thought the best of the fruit of the earth should be mine. So I'll give God something. I'll give him what's left over. I'll bring him some fruit of the earth, but I'm not going to give him the first fruit. I'm not going to give him what's best. And Abel also brought what the firstborn of his flock and of the, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but Cain, for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Interesting story. Uh, clearly, you have a difference. One bringing the first fruits and one bringing nothing more than a token. I think this is very kind of scary to us. God does not regard tokens. I mean, Cain brought something. And amazingly, God looks at our hearts and wants our hearts first and foremost. And really what broke God's heart was Cain's heart. He was selfish. He was stingy. He looked out for his own kingdom and his own gain above God's. He brought God what was left. I know these are tough economic times. I know, and several of you who have been tithers are really, really wrestling. What do I do? At the end of the day, they're red numbers. At the end of the day, this is really, really hard. I know that's where we find ourselves. But we can't bring God a token. He'll have no regard for that. We have to bring him, according to his word, the first fruits and trust him with that. God did have regard for Abel's first fruits and looked on and said, Mm-mm, that's not it. How is it with you? If God is not okay with a tokering offering and that reveals a token heart, what are you, what are you giving to your offering? What does that say regarding your heart? The perils of a plundering heart. The trouble with a token heart. The avarice 
of an arrogant heart. And we see that in verse 10 where he says, into the storehouse. And this is the heart issue of selfishness. So far we've looked at this. The other issues have dealt with this. Uh, Who are we robbing? If God owns it all, we're robbing Him. And how are we robbing Him? Well, if we're only bringing Him a token, if we're not bringing Him a full tithe, a full 10% of our gross. And this deals with Orangewood, and I think this is a difficulty for us. I think this is going to hit a lot of us right between the eyes. This deals with where we give God's offering. This deals with the where. Uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy 12, 5-8. Now, those of you who have your Bibles, turn with me, because this passage is not on the screen. But we need to look at this as well. Dealing with the, the where. Deuteronomy 12, 5-8. Moses is giving instruction to God's people. The second giving of the law is here. He's telling them about how to bring their tithes and offerings. And he says this in verse 5. And if you don't have your Bibles, uh, please listen clearly. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put His name and make His uh, uh, habitation there. There you shall go. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and, your contri- and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice, you and your households, in that all you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. And listen to verse 8. Listen. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today. Everyone doing what's right in his own heart. Wow. Basically, this is saying this. We should not take a tithe and determine in our own hearts what is right in our own eyes. This says that we are to bring the tithe to the storehouse that we see is the church. That we're to be under the church's authority. The reality is this. God wants to show us with our money who owns it. And He wants to show us in all of our lives that we are to be a people, a family, under the authority of God. Under the authority of God's Word. Under the authority of the church. Just today, we had family members join our church. Part of the membership vows that each and every one of you who have taken vows here at Orange would say these. You will support this church to the best of your ability. Well, part of supporting the church to the best of your ability is bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. That, that's the minimum of supporting this church financially to the best of your ability so that we can support our missionaries, we can support our ministry partners, so we can pay the electric bill, we can pay our staff. And listen, I think oftentimes our arrogant hearts say, well, I'm not sure how they're doing. You know, I, I'm not really, I, I'm not sure. I, I, you know what we say? We say, I think that I'm going to be better making decisions than the elders of this church are. I think that really I'm going to be a better conduit of God's money. So I'll make decisions of where to put. I'm going to give 3% over here. I'm going to give 2% over here. I'm going to give a little bit over here. I'm going to give a little bit over there. Listen, there's arrogance there. That's an arrogant heart. That's basically you saying that you have the ability to know how to use God's resources and you don't need to be under authority and it's wrong. And it's arrogant. I mean, God is calling us to bring it into the storehouse. There's an amazing story that Jesus tells out of Luke 12. Luke 12, verses 16 through 21. The words will appear on the screen here. Um, This is an amazing story. It's basically saying this. Jesus told the parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And by the way, 
What did the rich man do to cause the land to produce? Nothing. God's grace, right? And he thought to himself, listen to, listen to the personal pronouns, and he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And then I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And these things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich to God. The amazing arrogance of that rich fool's heart is he talked to no one about his riches. I mean, God gave him an amazing crop. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this for me. Man, I, man, I just hit the lottery here. He didn't, he didn't love his neighbor as himself. He never once said, who can I bless with this? He never once said, I'm going to take this to the elders and, and see who, who is hurting and how, how our community can be better. I mean, this is wicked. I mean, this, this should be repulsive to us. I mean, Jesus calls him a fool because he forgot that God owned it all and he put himself over authority. And the only person he talked about was me, 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 me. The avarice, the absolute greed of an arrogant heart that will say, I know how to handle my wealth and I'm not going to bring it to the storehouse. We need to repent if that's where we are. That's an amazing deal. He wanted to be, that man wanted to be a lone ranger. Then we have this amazing blessing of the tithing heart in verse 10b. Jesus says through his word, God says here that, listen, I mean, it's the only place in scripture. This is unbelievable. He says this. Test me. Test me in this. Test me. I'm kind of blown away. I mean, there's a couple things in this passage that just kind of freak you out. Robbing God and God saying, test me. See that I'm not going to throw open the floodgates of heaven. I'm not exactly completely sure what all that means other than the fact that God will say, I'm going to provide all of your needs going to love you and take care of you. I do not believe it means that we're going to be driving Mercedes next week and our mortgages will be paid off. But I do know that God says, test me, that there's great blessing in a tithing heart. And this is the heart issue, the call to have a gospel tithing heart that we'll see out of 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. Now, there's a couple things in Scripture that we can't miss. Because there's two religious Pharisees that, that Jesus tells us about who tithe but miss the heart. Now listen, we can't miss this. In, in Luke 11.42, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who tithed on their mint, their rue, and their herb, but neglected the justice of God and the love of God. Here's what he's saying. This is not about religion. If you think that you, this is about you trying to please God with giving, you missed it. If, if you think that you can earn God's favor just by tithing, you've missed it. This is a heart issue. He wants a gospel tithing heart. God says if we our hearts aren't beating for justice and if our hearts aren't beating uh, for mercy and the love of God, that's where it starts. Uh, there was another man, another Pharisee in Luke 18. Uh, if you remember the story, he's in the temple praying and he looks at a tax collector. He says, God, thank you I'm not like that sinner. And that guy's a loser. Thank you that I'm righteous. 
He says, thank you that I fast twice a week and thank you that I tithe on everything I own. And he says he left the temple and he wasn't righteous with God. He wasn't pleasing to God. He wasn't accepted to God. But the one who sat and begged, banged on his chest and said, God, forgive me, a sinner. You see, tithing won't make you acceptable or loved by God. He loves us in Christ Jesus perfectly. Tithing just reveals the disposition of our hearts. And God wants us to have a gospel-soaked heart that understand He gave it all to us. We're His children. He's going to provide for us. He loves us. And we're going to honor Him with our resources. And we need to develop a heart like those that had that in Macedonia. Look, look at a picture for those who got it. Um, this comes out of 2 Corinthians 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a se- severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. Listen, the economic conditions there were worse than they are here. There is extreme poverty. They have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. I don't even know quite sure what that means, but they just are giving more and more of their own accord. No one's even telling them. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, that's their heart, and then by the will of God to us. What an amazing example. Out of their poverty. They didn't say, wait, i got to wait till things get a little bit better. i got to wait because right now things are really hurting. No, no, out of their extreme poverty, they pled, they, they begged to give even out of their own ability. That's a picture of those who have a gospel-tithing heart. But really, the point is, is where do we get it? Where do we get that heart? It's 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, He who was rich for our sakes became poor, that through his poverty we could become rich. It's Jesus who has all wealth and authority, who being the eternal Son of God for us, His children, He gave it all up. He who was rich and being adored by heavenly hosts, who was holding and sustaining the universe, He became poor as a poor man born in a manger who would have no place to lay his head, who would die with really no earthly possessions, and the last thing he had would be gambled for at the cross. He emptied out himself of all but love. He became poor so that in Christ Jesus, we can have all the riches in Christ. That's how we get it when we get Jesus. When we get Jesus, we get God's blessing. Of all blessings, as the writer, uh, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, all the spiritual blessings are ours in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, all of them. So how do we get a gospel heart? We get a heart like Jesus's, who understood, Father, I'm not going to give you a tithe. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you everything so I can advance your kingdom and I can rescue your sheep. And oh, how I'm going to love them. And oh, how I'm going to bless them. And God, give them a gospel-tithing heart that loves you. How did Jesus handle his riches? 
he gave him away. Not just a little, but all. Okay, here's the application this week. You'll see in your bulletin, uh, once again, you have a study guide for tithing. This is Monday through Friday. Um, this is a, uh, a great way to continue to wrestle with some of these passages and some other ones. So uh, take this home, put it in your Bible. It won't take you long. Uh, here it is. We're going to gather next Sunday night. We're going to come back here around tables. We're going to discuss this together as a family. And here's the challenge this week. Jesus says, test me in this. God the Father says, test me in this. We're going to challenge you to take one week and test God in this this week. To set aside your first fruits this week, 10% of your gross. For some of you, you're saying, you're crazy. I can't do it. Test God in this for one week and see what he'll do. Be obedient for one week. And let me tell you, one week does not make a tithing heart. But test them in this. Bring that first fruits next week. Also next Sunday night, we're going to have a special offering. For those of you who tithe, listen, pray. Say, God, what are you teaching me through this in my own heart? We're going to have a deacon's fund offering. Let me encourage you to uh, uh, pray about what God is calling you to, to put in the deacon's fund. An amazing ministry to help those who are, are hurting and without jobs. So if you are tithing, pray about that. If you're not tithing, test him. Um, for each one of us, Let's come back tonight. It's going to be an amazing prayer time together. Are you robbing God? Let us pray. And Father God, this is a hot topic because it's our money. And it's funny because I'm, as I pray, I think more of those of us by your grace, by your grace, who may have been under your authority and word and see what you're saying here and have responded, God, we could become arrogant. We could feel like we're spiritual because for those in this room who tithe. But God, really what you want is that heart like that Macedonia church that reflected your heart. There's no arrogance in this. Father, I pray for the family right now that hears this and they're just, they're torn apart because they don't know how to do this. Because this, this is so radical and, and maybe your spirit is teaching them that a token's not enough and maybe your spirit is teaching them that they, they're robbing you. And, and Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give them an amazing amount of peace and courage that they test you in this and, and maybe it goes just right against what their budget says and maybe it's at the worst time that they've ever been in. But Father, I think there's no better time than to show their faithfulness and trust in you who owns all things than now. And Father, for those of us, uh, for those in this room who do tithe, I pray that your, your, your spirit this week would work in their hearts and convict us of what maybe we need to sell to give to others or what, what maybe we need to do to, to help someone else in need that, that we could support this deacon's fund because there's so many in our church that are without jobs. There's so many in our church that are, that are hurting and, and, and just at the bottom right now financially. And God, would you work in all of our hearts and as we gather together next Sunday night, uh, God, may we just be able to bring an offering of faithfulness to you. Find us faithful and obedient. And God, you say you'll throw open the storehouse. You'll throw open the windows of heaven and bless us. Father, you've already blessed us so much in Christ Jesus. But thank you that by obeying you and honoring you, you do honor those who honor you. 
And Father, give us a gospel-tithing heart that honors you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.